Thank you so much for joining us for Ankeny Gospel Church Podcast. On this podcast, you can find sermons, classes, and other resources that continue to invite us into the mission of Jesus and the journey of faith. We hope this is a blessing to you, and if we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out. Hi, uh, my name is Molly. Um, That was really amazing. And the reading today is going to be from Matthew 8, 23 through 9, 8. And it just goes with that song so nice. And it's a long one, so bear with me as I read through this whole passage. As he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to die. He said to them, Why are you afraid? You have little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. When he had come to the other side of the region of the Gadarenes, Two demon-possessed men met him as they came out of the tombs. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. Suddenly they shouted, What do you have to do with us, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? A long way off from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. If you drive us out, the demons begged, send us into the herd of pigs. Go, he told them. So when they had come out they entered the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the water then the men who tended them fled they went into the city and reported everything especially what had happened to those who were demon possessed at that the whole town went out to meet jesus when they saw him they begged him to leave their region so he got into a boat crossed over and came to his own town Just then, some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a stretcher. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Have courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the scribes said to themselves, He's blaspheming. Perceiving their thoughts, Jesus said, Why are you thinking evil things in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of God has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he told the paralytic, paralytic, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. So he got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and gave glory to God, who had given such authority to men. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I would have gotten there eventually. Good morning again. So we, uh, let's do a quick reminder of where we are in Matthew. So we went through the Sermon on the Mount. Who remembers that? Okay, some of you are awake and participatory. That's great, thank you. Um, And in that, Jesus tells us what what the uh, kingdom of heaven looks like. That's what he does. Now he's going to show us what it looks like. That's kind of the purpose of these miracles that we're gonna go through. And today we're gonna go through three miracles. As you know from the reading, it is fairly long, so we're gonna make quick work through these. Um, But uh, I ask us not to focus on the miracles themselves. 
Sometimes I can get caught up in thinking, oh, how cool would it have been if I were there to see that, right? And then it's all about the miracle, and it's just like, ooh, I wanna see this, and I wish I could see this. And in Matthew, Jesus actually, some people actually ask him, hey, we wanna see, we wanna see these signs. And his, his, what he says to them is, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Let's not focus on the signs and wonders, shall we? We're gonna use the signs and wonders to know Jesus. We're gonna see who's performing the miracle and what is he trying to show us or tell us through that miracle, okay? So let's pray to start. Lord, I just ask for your mercy and grace today. I ask you to teach us through your word. Lord, may what I say come from you and not from anywhere else. Uh, May we be quick to listen to your Holy Spirit and to obey what you say in your scripture, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so what we're gonna see in the three miracles today, we're going to see Jesus confront our fears. He takes three parables or three miracles to show very different types of fear and then how he confronts that fear on our behalf. He's going to show us how, to, how he confronts our fear. He's going to show us what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And then he's going to demand a response from us. So that's what we're going to see in the three miracles. Let's read the first one. As he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we're gonna die. He said to them, why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. So, I know we're in Iowa, and we don't really know what it's like to be out on the, how many have been on an ocean in a storm? Anyone? Or a big, okay, some of you, or a big lake? Any of you? Corbin has his hand very high. Um, Yes, so it's kind of scary. It's amazing, you are just at the mercy of the wind and the waves. And we know it was pretty bad because some of these disciples were fishermen, and they spent their whole life in the, on the sea, fishing and doing this, and, and uh, they were very afraid. The boat was swamped, it says. That's terrifying. So, completely similar situation. One time, I'm being sarcastic, I was in the Boundary Waters a while ago, and I was fishing, without luck, because I'm terrible at fishing, but I was fishing, and we, we had to get out of there fast. It was our last day, and suddenly the wind picked up, and I'm in a little canoe, and I'm paddling through these lakes, and there's white caps on the lakes, and it was, I was terrified. We had to tie our stuff to the canoe. We're like, if, if this goes under, then at least we can swim out and get our stuff, because it was, it was terrifying. It's not fun being in a storm and being completely out of control. The wind could have done anything. The, the, the waters were crashing. If we were in that situation, we'd be soaked, drenched. The wind would be howling. It's loud. And where is Jesus in this situation? 
The boat is literally swamped. I don't get this, by the way, but he is sleeping. He's sleeping in the boat. Is he wet? Like, was he laying in the bottom of the boat? Do they have benches that he was sleeping on? I don't know. But he's literally, he's so not concerned that he's asleep. The storm didn't bother him. I don't even know how that's possible, honestly. The natural world can be very scary, and the world actually tells us, continues to try to scare us more. Storms, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, volcanoes, droughts, floods, heat, they all have so much power. But Jesus is not concerned. He's not worried about it. He's completely in control at all times. How many of you have seen um, movies like uh, X-Men? How many see X-Men where, okay, where Storm, I think, does this rising in the sky and her eyes turn color and all that stuff? Or Doctor Strange, how many have seen Doctor Strange? Where he does some weird, thank you, some of you in the back, really participatory today, well done. Um, But he does some weird hand motions. Does Jesus do any of that? No. I can just see, I I picture Jesus like this. He's laying down, they wake him up. He's tired. He stands up and he's like, be calm. And then he sits back down. There's like no drama. There's nothing. Jesus is just like, be calm. Everything is calm. Everything is calm. There is no chaos in the kingdom of heaven. Nothing is ever out of control. It just, with the presence of Jesus, everything is going to be just fine. In fact, he's not even concerned about the storm. What he's most concerned about is their faith. Why are you afraid, you of little faith? That's what he says to them. Why are you afraid? He cares more about their faith than any storm that rages around us. Now let's see what their response was to this. Matthew 8, 27, the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and sea obey him. He demonstrates absolute control in the most mundane of ways, by sleeping. How many of you can sleep when you're scared? when you're really, really freaked out. I can't. Jesus doesn't, he's not scared. He didn't even break a sweat and they are amazed. They're kind of a little bit, can you just imagine the hair on your arms going up like, oh my goodness. Two seconds ago, we were, we couldn't see because the waves were too high and now it's just completely calm. You don't have a handle on how big God is. You don't. You think you understand the box that he, you're trying to put him in your framework or your box? You don't. He is so much bigger than that. So much bigger than that. I bet they were a little bit scared. Okay, so he can call storms and he can shut them down? I better stay on his good side. That's what I'd be thinking in that moment, right? That's scary for someone to have that much control of the world. That's scary. So I'm going to go to a children's book now because why not, right? 
In the Chronicles of Narnia, Lucy is about to um, meet Aslan for the first time. And Aslan is like the Jesus character. How many of you are familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia? Okay, good. I feel like most of you are. Good. And she says, I thought he was a man. She finds out he's a lion. Is he safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And Mr. Beaver, because animals can talk there, um, says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. God is not under your control. You don't get to decide the parameters of who he is. Our society wants us to each say we can define God as we wish. We can't. I mean, really, do you get to define who I am? Do, you, do I get to define who you are? No. And yet, we go through life thinking that we can do that for God that we can pick and choose the, the variables, the things in God that we like, and then take out the things that we don't like. We don't get to do that. God demonstrates here he is absolutely in control. There is no chaos in the, in the kingdom of heaven. He is in control. God brings the storm, he rests in the storm, he ends the storm by his wisdom, not ours. Okay, let's look at miracle number two. First of all, Jesus confronted the natural order. Things like hurricanes, tornadoes, storms, all those types of things, without any slightest concern. Now let's see how he confronts the spiritual order, shall we? So first, the physical order is pretty scary. Now we're gonna look at this, this, the spiritual. When he came to the other side, to the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him as they came out of the tombs. That's frightening. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. Suddenly they shouted, what do you have to do with us, son of God? Have you come to torment us before the time? A long way off from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. If you drive us out, the demons begged, send us into the herd of pigs. Go, he told them. So when they had come out, they entered the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the water. Then the men who tended them fled. They went into the city and reported everything, especially what had happened to those who were demon-possessed. At that, the whole town went out to meet Jesus. When they saw him, they begged him to leave the region. Here we find another situation that would terrify us. How many of you like horror movies? and was willing to, good, we don't have any really crazy people in here. No, there, I can't watch a horror movie. I watched one once and once, and I couldn't sleep for like three days. It was awful. It's terrifying. Now think of yourself walking through a graveyard. I picture it at night. I don't know if that's actually the case, but, but uh, in the graveyard, and two violent and very unstable people come to approach you. What would you do? Hmm? I know what I would do. I would be leaving. I would be gone. Or I'd be hiding behind Jesus. Like, uh, I think we should go. I don't think this is a real safe situation. You know, good people don't travel in uh, graveyards at night. I, I think I would be really freaked out. The spiritual order is scary. It's not something that we have much uh, awareness of. We try to pretend it doesn't, it's not there. 
we pretend it doesn't exist, I would be terrified. Now let's look and see who's terrified in this story. Wait a minute. It's the demons. Do you, do you see that? Son of, what, do you, what do you have to do with us, son of God? I, I think they're panicked. Have you come to torment us before the time? This is a complete reversal. The disciples are ready for a fight, and these two, like, scary guys, they come and fall at the feet of Jesus and say, what are you going to do with us? And then it's like they're, they're so panicked, they're looking around like, oh, what do I do, what do I do? Uh, pigs, send us in the pigs. Send us into the pigs, Jesus. So what does Jesus do? Let's see, it's a really, um, you know, it's really film-worthy, right? Like a huge thing, like storm clouds or something come, and then he, he does that? No. Again, Jesus shows complete control. All he says is, go. One word, and the demons leave, and they go into a bunch of pigs. They're still in a frenzy and go crazy, so they jump off a cliff, and all of them die. Go. One word. Jesus faces our fear of the spiritual order with complete, no, no concern. First of all, why do you think he went across a lake in the first place just to go into a graveyard? Ever wonder about that? He wasn't going somewhere else. After this, he literally just goes back and gets back in the boat, right? And goes back across. Jesus wanted to save them. These two men that have been tormented, the two men that the rest of the world looks at and is like, hey, um, I don't want to associate with you. I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt. So go stay far away from us. Jesus went to them to find them. The kingdom of heaven has no fear. There is no fear in the kingdom of heaven. Love drives out fear. The love of Jesus drives out fear. And sometimes it's just a simple word, go. Go. With authority, the demons are in such a hurry to get away from him. They have, he has so much authority. Do you realize that for your life today? What's going on? What are the demons that are... Um, whether it be demons or addictions or things, what are the things in your life? Jesus can handle that, and he handles it with ease. He is completely in control at all times. In the kingdom of heaven, there is no fear. None. Jesus sees the spiritual world just as he sees the physical world, and he has complete power and authority over it. Now, what, what's our response? What's the, what's the response here? You know what they don't do? They don't say, eh, that was a big deal. No big deal, right? People see that. A whole bunch of pigs jump off a cliff because G Jesus sends demons. You don't just look at that and be like, ah, I'm gonna go back to kneading bread and watching sheep. I don't know. You don't get to do that. What do they do in this situation? What do they do? Well, the whole town comes out and they fall at his feet, right? Is that what it says? The town comes out to meet him and they literally say, go away. 
go away. You terrify me. They just literally, there's two thugs that live in this scary area that have been harassing the people in this whole area for years. And instead of saying, thank you, I'm so thankful you did that, they're like, please go away. Go away. Jesus demands a response from us. You can't just put him to the side and say, oh, that's just, that's just nice teaching. That's chicken soup for the soul. That's just, that's just nice. That's not Jesus. That's, if you're putting him in that box, that box is way out of there. You know, C.S. Lewis says that there are three options to deal with Jesus. You can fall at his feet as Lord. You can see him as a deceiving spirit or a demon or a lunatic. There literally is no other option. There's no other way to look at him. Read what he says. We're gonna go into that in just a few minutes, but if you read what the, the New Testament says, you don't get to think of Jesus any other way. He's not just a good teacher. Jesus sees right through you. He sees your fears. He sees your sins. He sees everything about you. And you have a choice. You can choose to run away from him or you can choose to run toward him. What are you gonna do? You can't ignore him. It would haunt you. I imagine those people, like, for years, what just happened? You can't ignore it. You can't pretend it didn't happen. You either run towards him or away from him. That is the response. So what did he do? He got back in the boat and went back across the sea. Went into a graveyard, healed two guys that were violent, and then got back in the boat and went back to his hometown. The kingdom of heaven is one of healing. The kingdom of heaven takes those people that have been shunned from society and brings them back into the fold. That is what Jesus does. That's what he does. You know, the decent people in the town are the ones that told him to go away. Does that scare anyone? The demon-possessed people that were hurtful and hurting other people, those got saved by Jesus, but the decent people in town are the ones that asked him to leave. So let's look at the third miracle. In the first two miracles, Jesus confronts fear. The moment, right? The, oh my goodness, this is a scary moment. A storm meeting violent people. Now he confronts a different type of fear. We could call it anxiety, something that endures. Let's read. So he got into the boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Just then, some people brought him to a paralytic. Have courage, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the scribes said to themselves, he's blaspheming. Perceiving their thoughts, Jesus said, why are you thinking evil things in your hearts? 
For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he told the paralytic, get up, take your stretcher and go home. So he got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and gave glory to God who has given such authority to men. Jesus confronted our fear of the natural He confronted the fear of the supernatural, and now he confronts hopelessness. He confronts, and then he'll confront um, men and power in a, a few minutes, but hopelessness. We're talking about the first century here. What hope did the paralytic have? Not none. All the paralytic could do was lie down and wait for people to give them what they need to exist. That's it. No hope. Put yourself in those shoes, or maybe sandals. Can you imagine the anguish? Can you imagine being treated as if you weren't even there? You're a piece of the furniture, someone that you pass by every day. You know, last week I went to Chicago And there was a man sitting on the corner in a wheelchair. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people pass by that man every single day. So much of a fixture in that city, people don't even realize he's there. Hundreds of people just walk right by. Never see that man. I I feel like that's what the paralytic would have been like oh, that's just Joe, he's been there forever, just, just lying there. Jesus could have just healed the man. He could have done that, and that would have been amazing, and everyone would have just been super happy, but he doesn't. He actually goes to pick a fight and says something odd. He says, your sins are forgiven. As a paralytic, what would your response be? Thank you? Uh, Okay. What would you say if someone said that? I bet the paralytic was like, this is not what I expected. I mean, I'd heard about this guy healing others. I really thought I'd get a little bit more than that. But Jesus is, is using it because he's not content to stay within the boundaries of the scribes. The scribes think they have the authority They get to decide what's right and what's wrong, and as always, Jesus bursts that bubble. He refuses to be put in a box. Our king is courageous and strong. In in another passage, uh, Jesus um, goes to read from the prophet Isaiah and says, um, the Messiah is coming, and he basically says, and that is being fulfilled in your hearing today. He said that in his hometown, by the way, and everybody freaked out. He knew they would do that, that no one in his hometown would believe, and he did it anyway. The courage it takes, or it took, for Jesus to stand before everyone that that he knew and know that they would hate him, and yet to say the truth anyway. Our king is courageous. He does not back down from the supposed elite, and he confronts both our irrelevancy of the paralytic, and he confronts those that are in power. 
So he says to the scribes, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? What a fantastic question. Jesus has, is amazing. Like he, you would want him on your debate team, right? He, he just knows what to say. From a human level, it is much easier to say um, your sins are forgiven from a human level because no one could prove that, right? No one could prove, oh, they, they might think you're crazy, but they, no one could prove that it worked. But you could say it and, never, and you could try to convince people, but it is harder on a human level to, to say get up and walk. But on a spiritual level, it's totally different. Yeah, we could be healed from physical things, but spiritually, generation after generation after generation from Adam, we were lost, broken, without hope, because our sins couldn't be dealt with permanently. They always had to sacrifice another lamb over and over and over and over and over again because of our problem of sin, because we rebel and want to do things our own way and put God into a box and tell him who he is instead of hearing from him who he is. We needed something cosmic, something so much bigger. And Jesus is proving, okay, I want to prove to you that I can forgive sins, and I'm going to do that by talking about that and then go back to and heal this person. He spiritually just totally demolishes those scribes, these really smart middle-class people that were kind of looked up in their society. And he says, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. And the man did that. Jesus faced our fear of irrelevance, our hopelessness, and he demonstrated his authority. He shows us that in the kingdom of heaven, there is no anxiety. There's nothing. Short-term fears, there is no long-term fears. In the kingdom of heaven, we can trust him with absolutely everything. We don't even need to be afraid of the people around us, those that are in power. This time, the people responded being completely awestruck. This guy, I've seen this guy, he was barely more than a couch just sitting here on the ground all the time and now all of a sudden he's up and walking? That's crazy. I've asked you to look at your life. Where do you feel hopeless? Where do you feel like I'm lying here over and over and over and over? I can't get past this. I can't fix it. I keep making the same wrong decisions. Jesus is not hopeless in that. He has hope for you. He has something for you. He's not intimidated by our circumstances. He has absolute control and authority over it. His love drives out any fear and anxiety. Turn to Jesus' love. You know, I've had many conversations with people of different religions, and a lot of times, you know what they say? They say they're all the same. You know, we teach don't murder, you teach don't murder, we teach, you know, be faithful to your wife, you teach that, don't steal. You know what the difference is? Who is Jesus? I met with a, a Muslim not too long ago, and I said, well, what do you think the difference is? Immediately, 
Who's Jesus? The difference between my religion and your religion is what do you do with Jesus? Is he a liar? Is he a lord? Is he a lunatic? The rest of the world says, a lot of them, many faiths just say he's a good teacher. Do you read the scripture? Is that what the scripture says? He's a good teacher? He claims to forgive sins. Who can do that? He claims to have special access to God. He claims to be Lord of the Sabbath, literally the Lord of a day of the week. Someone did that today, you're either really deranged or you're evil or you're Lord. Claim to be bigger than Solomon, who was the richest, most powerful king in, the, in their history. He claimed special access to God, saying, he's my father. That culture didn't do that. He claimed to have authority over angels. He throws people out of the temple in zeal. He claims to be the way, the truth, and the life. These are literally Jesus' words. He cannot be just a good teacher. Those are not claims that normal people make. He demands a response from us. Demands it. He doesn't sit there and say, well, okay, one or the other. He presents us with the facts and then we have to make a choice. Are we gonna run towards him or are we gonna run away from him? He shows us the kingdom of heaven is free from fear. It's free from fear of the natural, the supernatural, the power of man, the anxieties of our world. There is no fear. Why is there no fear? Because he is there. The miracles are miracles, that's fine. It's him that's the big deal. The same Jesus that loves you and me. Do you know him? Have you put him into a box? We have a couple questions for reflection. Hopefully they'll come up here momentarily. Who is Jesus in your life? Is he just like this cosmic Santa that gives you good things? Is he a person that you put into your schedule? Or is he your life? Your life? Because he demands that. He's an all or nothing. Next. Where does fear show up in your life? What are you afraid of? And how is this fear inconsistent with the kingdom of heaven? And finally, are you responding to Jesus by drawing near or keeping your distance? You know, when I really screw up, you know what I do? I try to forget about it. Sometimes I run away from Jesus because I'm like, ah, oh, I can't believe I did that. I said this and I shouldn't have. And I'm just like, I'm just gonna distract myself. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus, okay. I'm gonna pray, and we're gonna leave those up. And what we're gonna do, as soon as I'm done praying here, um, we're gonna have you come up and grab the elements for communion. And I'd ask you to just um, take a moment, and we'll have just a few minutes of silence as we think through these questions and the implications on our life, okay? 
So if you have taken the step to put your whole life in Jesus, he is your life, then we welcome you to take um, communion. If you haven't made that step, that's fine. No one's gonna judge you. We just ask that you not participate in, the, um, in communion. But um, why don't I pray? Dear Jesus, how quickly we forget you are in absolute control. You are unconcerned by all the things. Some terrible things have happened in the news this week. Terrible things. And yet you are still in control. We can rest in you. We can sleep. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be anxious because you have proven yourself. You have shown us what the kingdom of heaven looks like, Lord. I ask that you change our hearts that are so prone to wander. I pray that you would draw us to yourself, God. May we each make the decision to run towards you and not away from you. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening, and we pray this was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments about what you heard, our email is info at com, or you can find us on social media at Gospel. Thank you.